0: The term intersectionality was coined by Kimberlé Crenshaw in 1989 to describe how race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect with one another and overlap. Using three legal cases as her foundation, Crenshaw crafted her first work on the theory of intersectionality, titled Demarginalizing the Intersection of Race and Sex. Crenshaw centered her analysis on black women to quote, contrast the multidimensionality of black women's experience with the single-axis analysis that distorts these experiences. On page 12 of her paper, she introduces intersectionality. She writes, Consider an analogy to traffic in an intersection, coming and going in all four directions. Discrimination, like traffic through an intersection, may flow in one direction, and it may flow in another. If an accident happens at an intersection, it can be caused by cars traveling from any number of directions, and sometimes from all of them. Similarly, if a black woman is harmed because she's in the intersection, an injury can result from sex discrimination or race discrimination. This podcast is focused on telling stories about the intersectionality of race and gender and its impact on the experience of young women of color at my soon to be alma mater, Sacred Heart Cathedral, a high school in the heart of San Francisco. Hi, welcome to At the Corner of Goff and Ellis, a podcast on the intersectionality of race and gender and its impact on young women of color. This show is hosted by me, Olivia Flores. Today I am joined by Jolie Radinich, a Sacred Heart Cathedral graduate from the class of 2018. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Um, so I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, first, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, uh, so my name is Jolie uh, I'm class of 2018 at SH. Um, since then, I went to college. I'm finishing up my my last semester in New York at NYU, and uh, I'm studying education. I'm studying technology. And uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm up to right now.
1: Awesome. Um, can you tell me how you came to attend SHC and tell me about your overall experience as a student there?
2: Yeah, so it was pretty much between SI and SH for Mm -hmm. me just because, you know, that's just how it goes. The rivalry and everything, those were like, I guess, like two of the prominent Catholic schools. I was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was also part of it. But just when I went on my tour, um, you know, this podcast is about diversity. Diversity was one of the things that stood out to me in a positive way, Um, just because I came from a predominantly white elementary school. I went to convent mm-hmm. of the Sacred Heart Elementary School. Um, so like just walking through the halls and just seeing like people who look different over here in this classroom mm-hmm. and over there in that classroom, we're like just walking around. Like that was something that as a 13 or 14 year old, I was like, wow, that is important to me. Like, I, I like it. It just felt like a good, a good vibe. In addition yeah. to, you know, just, I liked the classes. I liked whatever it was that I <laughs> on, on the tour.
1: Yeah. That's really great that you noticed that though. I feel like that's not something that I really thought about when I toured SHC, but like now looking back, like, I'm like oh yeah, my school's definitely diverse. Um, so that's one of the things I really like about SHC. Um, could you tell me about some of the clubs or extracurriculars you were
0: involved in?
2: Yeah. So I did dance with Miss Wexler because mm-hmm. I have a heavy dance background since I was really little. So dance took up a lot of my outside of classroom time at Sacred Heart. And I also wrote for the school paper. Uh, oh, just okay. I love to write. I have a writing background. too. <laughs> uh, so those were the two, the two clubs that I did pretty much the whole, the whole time.
1: Wow. We're, we're pretty similar. I didn't dance at SHC, but I do have a heavy dance background. Um, nice. I did like ballet and went, since I was like three. Um, Me too. So, yeah. And ballet. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't really, I don't particularly enjoy writing, but I love to read. So, you know, got the connection there. But Have you been able to
2: stay connected to SHC after graduation? I have. um, And I think, you know, not even just with the pandemic, but the fact that I moved across the country, Mm -hmm. the internet has been really important um, (laughs) for doing that. Just, you know, connecting with friends online, um, a couple teachers on email Mm -hmm. and uh, hard copy, mail and, and online newsletters, mm-hmm. have sort of, been, been what I've been doing. Wow. Um,
1: so then kind of focusing specifically um, on your experience at SHC, did you feel that your gender impacted that experience?
2: Yeah. Um, when I first, when I, when I'm first hearing you say this, I, it's funny, but I would honestly my, my initial reaction is to say no, mm-hmm. just because I feel like even though gender is something that is like central to my identity, it's like mm-hmm. a core part of my identity. Just like when I look at myself, that's one of the first things I noticed. Um, but I would honestly say no, except for the fact that I did come from an all girls elementary school. So mm-hmm. I think just having more than one gender in the classroom um, or at least the two uh, traditional genders being represented in the classroom was something Mm -hmm. new to me. Um, So it was like, wow, like I went to an all-girls school. There are boys in the classroom. That's different. (laughs) That's new just because, you know, for your formative years when you're only surrounded by girls age five through 13, and then you just shift, like it was just weird to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But even then, I wouldn't really say it impacted my experience, but maybe it did. And I just haven't thought Like I haven't thought about it. that much, if that makes sense.
1: I mean, that's valid. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so then, did you feel that your race
2: or ethnicity impacted your experience more? That yes, (laughs) that I can like first, first time you you say that. Yes. Uh, again, referring back to my, my elementary school background, I was the only representation, um, in my elementary school classrooms in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. of racial, racial diversity. Um, and I am mixed race. So that's also interesting. I'm black and I'm white. So coming to school, to high school, um, you know, and like meeting new friends, people were like, oh, what are you? And I'd be like, oh, I'm this. And it was like, a, it was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also just, you know, everyone's sort of figuring out, you know, how to talk about race, not only in high school, but just in life. But especially, you know, when you're at those formative years, you're still learning who you are. You know, when you're like 14, 15, 16, everything is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people say things like either as jokes or like they're just being curious, like it, yeah. it, it it can definitely make you think like, whoa, like what am I? What does this mean? You know, where do I fit into 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 the scene of of high school in terms yeah. of? Life. Um, Were there any teachers
1: who addressed, um, you know, race, ethnicity or gender, um,
2: either in class or extracurricular activities? In high school, you know, I know throughout my four years, especially in like English or literature, there were always like books that had to do with race that Mm -hmm. we would read or obviously in like social studies, history Um, you know, whether you're learning about a revolution or, uh, slavery, of course is a big one, Mm -hmm. you know, like those themes are mentioned, um, high school though, I, I just remember in terms of like a classroom experience for me, and I know this is focused on, on sacred heart and high school, Mm -hmm. but for me, the only like experience that has with race that really sticks out would be like fifth grade. We were reading Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, which is like this book about the 1930s South
1: Hmm.
2: segregation. And our teacher had us sort of like reenact like the characters in the book in this activity. Um, And, you know, Jim Crow, Southern dialects by like white fifth grade girls was not it. That Mm -hmm. was like, (laughs) it was crazy. So because of that craziness, I feel like going into high school, like, I think I might have downplayed any other type of, like, experience that might have felt, like, inappropriate or, or otherwise. I don't mm-hmm. think I necessarily had, like, a, a negative experience. Um, you know, I, I I think the teachers were pretty by the book, I guess, in terms of, of handling race. Um, but just because of that prior experience, like everything else I think mm-hmm. was like, wow, like this isn't inappropriate, so it's fine. Like, I think that's sort yeah. of how I handled material in in high school for, for class assignments and things like that.
1: Yeah, um, was ethics um, a requirement, like a class that you had to take? Ethics, yes. Yes, did, yes. did they
2: talk about that at all in ethics class? Gosh, I don't remember. And Mr. Ren was my teacher. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember if it was. It wasn't a big part of the class. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting because
1: um, that's kind of how ha- that kind of has been what ethics classes shifted to a bit more. Like we have lessons on like racism and sexism, um, and we spend time talking about those issues. Um, of course, my experience is a little different because um, I had it during the pandemic, but mm. I feel like. If I had been in person, I, my hope is that those discussions would have been a, bi- a bit more inclusive to everybody because, you know, when you're on Zoom um, in class, like it's hard to talk with other people about your experiences sometimes. So, yeah. Um, were there any significant, you know, like social upheavals or movements or
2: anything in the news
1: um, that was happening at the time that you were in high school?
2: Well, something that made news that was happening at Sacred Heart and SI, and I'm not sure if other schools weren't involved as well, just because I wasn't a part of it, but just a, it was like an annual party. I don't know if it's still going on. It might be going on, but where people would dress in jerseys, mm-hmm. they dress in chains, mm. um, trying to act. I don't know if they were trying to act black or just like emulate hip-hop or trying to or whatever it was but all students were going to this this party like white students were going black students were going um you know just dressed up and it it looked very very cartoonish Mm -hmm. to me um and that actually made news my my sister is in high school now and I don't remember if it was like the end of my years in high school or the, the beginning of hers but a couple students got busted for mm-hmm. you know going to that party so that was just something um that it's kind of the precursor to to 2020 where everyone mm-hmm. you know not everyone but it seems like a lot of people are sort of having this mindset shift um in terms of you know what's acceptable and what's not mm-hmm. acceptable yeah. so that was something interesting that just happened you know, while at my school that made news. Um, Other than that, I would say like gun violence. Mm -hmm. I remember we had uh, a large group of students went up to the cathedral to St. Mary's Mm -hmm. and uh, there was sort of, it was kind of like a prayer vigil, I think just for, for gun violence victims. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just stuck out to me just because it was really emotional heavy topic um it's very it can be a political topic I guess depending on who you're talking to yeah um so that was something I remember as well was that organized by students it was organized by students but it was also like approved like it wasn't Mm -hmm. it was like a walkout but it was Uh like the administration knew about it and Uh I remember like public safety was there just to be with us and like it was yeah yeah um
1: Looking back, do you think your high school experience played a role um, in either where you chose to go to college, what you're majoring in, any of that, what you plan to do after college?
2: Maybe a little. I I, (laughs) um, I don't know why this is hard to answer. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to go to New York. I knew I just Mm -hmm. wanted to get out of San Francisco. I wanted to get out of California. I wanted to try something completely new. Mm -hmm. I'd been on vacations to New York before going there and I you know it was like just your I don't know this seems like cliche but it's like you're like walking and like there's a bunch of people and you see the lights I want to be there I want to study there yeah um so that's sort of what I did I mean in terms of like like I had my college advisor advising me and things like that Mm -hmm. but um I get I think no matter where I went to Mm -hmm. to high school um I probably would have decided to, to, mm-hmm. to go back east
1: would it maybe even be like living in a big city you were like wanted to get away but but chose another big city Did,
2: would that have had something to do with it either definitely I, I knew I wanted to be in a big city I think I kind of wanted to just be away from home to mm-hmm. love my family but I just wanted to yeah <laughs> I wanted to be away from home uh yeah okay
1: um, what have been some of the benefits of being a woman of color, um, on your path
2: to where you are today and what have been some of the challenges? I think something that I didn't think of that would be a positive is just like having like a quote unquote different experience mm-hmm. from a lot of people who ended up being my friends or just people who I worked with, um, you know, in like internships, jobs, things like that. Cause I'm, I'm still in college. So I haven't had like. a a traditional like working person's experience yet um I don't know I think it's just naturally who you are having that that perspective that lived experience of you know where you're from who your parents are what Mm -hmm. your family does um for holidays things like that how you celebrate things um what you look like could also just be interesting Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think that has just been a benefit just to like, be able to like teach people like, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. I don't represent everybody's experience, obviously, but this is me. And so Mm -hmm. you're interested. Yeah. I'd love to, to share and, and, and talk about, you know, myself. Um, I think an obvious negative to me would just be like general judgment or like assumptions that people have Mm -hmm. about you. Maybe like they look at you or they see you or they listen to you say something and they maybe have these assumptions about where you're from or what you believe in or your opinion on things without necessarily getting to, to know who you are. And I think um, for many women, for many women of color uh, there is somewhat of a shared experience, depending on who you are. But there also is, you know, each person has their own story. Each yeah. person is an individual at the end of the day. So I just feel like it's important. That's, I feel like it's super mm-hmm. pretty saying that, but it's it, it's true. You know, like each person has their own individual path and background and likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I hope that that doesn't get lost, um, you know, when people are learning about the experiences of, of women of color and to really listen and Absolutely. not yes. assume, not make any judgment.
1: Mm-hmm. What advice would you
2: give to young women of color at SHC today? That's a heavy question. For me. <laughs> Again, just because like, I, of course, wouldn't want to speak for, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for for everyone, but I think it's just important to to just like be okay. I just remember always feeling like, where do I fit?
0: And mm-hmm. I think in high
2: school, no matter who you are, you kind of feel that way anyway. As I said earlier, yeah. when you're 14, 15, 16, everything is just a big deal. It just mm-hmm. is, um, you know, who you're friends with, maybe what you're wearing, what you think, what you believe. Um, and I think people should just really try and tap into, you know, whatever it is that you like, whatever it is you like to do, listen to, um, how you talk, whatever it is, is to just sort of lean into that because when you leave high school, I feel like it just, at least in my experience, like it's suddenly cool to, you know, just do your own thing or to Mm -hmm. have like your own type of style, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean just clothes that again means means everything, just who you are, your likes, your dislikes, your everything. So I would just really encourage people to, you know, maybe write down their thoughts. I know that was something that helped me just to like write down how you're feeling, because um, when you read it back, you'll be like, wow, I should have just relaxed and just <laughs> into who I was and just tried to, you know, enjoy my, my experience. I think, especially with the pandemic too, I want to add this mm-hmm. in terms of support and reaching out to people. Um, there, there are good communities to do that, you know, this, including school, you know, uh, group school affinity groups, things like that. But I would also look to, you know, non-school resources as mm-hmm. well, just if you need support, because I don't want to, you know, underemphasize that, there are issues, there are struggles that women, women of color do go through in high school. So definitely don't feel weird about, you know, searching for, for some type of support group that you might not even know Mm -hmm. exists.
1: I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, Knowing what you know now, what do you think SHC can do to affirm and
2: support young women of color? I'd say, you know, it's tricky uh, thinking on an administrative level, because when I think about, you know, strengthening affinity groups, which is something Mm -hmm. I would recommend, strengthening, you know, community culture in the sense of, you know, having rules or guidelines of of things that students can do to be supportive, Mm -hmm. things that students and again, teachers, staff, everyone in the school community can do to or not do to, you know, Be inclusive. I think there's. I think there's also there also needs to be grace for the students just because, especially with with 2020 happening, um, and sort of this. I I don't want to call it a a revolution because there's still (laughs) so much work that needs to be done. But it seemed like at the beginning that's what everyone thought it was going to be, right? Um, I I think there should be some grace given to students just because we don't show up to high school knowing, okay, this is what I need to say. This is what I shouldn't yeah. say, things like that. Um, and I think school, I I wish and I hope that school administration at Sacred Heart at all high schools can sort of be a little bit more transparent about the limits mm-hmm. of, of efforts um, for inclusion, for diversity only because you can have a logo you can have quotes you can have banners Mm -hmm. you can have billboards saying Mm -hmm. what you champion but when I go back to thinking about that party that I explained earlier Mm -hmm. and we're saying these chants at the rallies or we're in church saying one thing yeah and then you leave the school you take that uniform off and you're dressing Mm -hmm. crazily or you're saying crazy things it's still going to go on and it's still going to happen and so I think um if school administrations were more transparent about, hey, there is this disconnect. students are learning, they're growing, they might be ignorant and stupid. This is what we can do on our end to try and mitigate that and to try and teach students and help them learn and grow, I think um, I think just addressing that disconnect mm-hmm. would be super, super important because I'm not gonna lie. there were certain points where it's like we're saying this this prayer about how we're we're united and we're gonna mm-hmm. do this and we're gonna do that. But you don't necessarily feel it if once you know that rally is over. Yeah, you know you, you know what people are doing or saying or, or things like that. So I want to be hopeful. I don't like to use the word limits. I want to be hopeful that um, limits to diversity and inclusion can become more limited mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I I think it it can be possible. But on an administration level,
1: yeah,
2: I I don't think it's I, I'm a little not optimistic about the ability to like get into the the hearts and the minds yeah of 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 students yeah
1: no yeah i see where you're coming from um and i agree um um so i also would like to share a quote that's kind of stuck with me something i found like a couple years ago um and it's by a woman of color and i just i always like to turn to this quote uh whenever i'm feeling particularly i guess like discouraged um, and it's by Sonia Sotomayor. And she says, um, I think it's important to move people beyond just dreaming into doing. They have to be able to see that you are just like them and you made it. Um, and so kind of in the theme of this quote, were there any
2: teachers of color during your time at SHC um, that you looked up to? Wow. Well, first, I love that quote. And I mean, Supreme Court, she she made yeah. it. Yeah, so. <laughs> she did. Pretty, pretty, pretty high bar. Um, (laughs) There were teachers of color at Sacred Heart. I maybe had one or two. It wasn't until college that I had specifically for me. It wasn't until college that I had like a black instructor Mm -hmm. stand in the front of the classroom and teach me something, which to me was huge. I was like, wow. Mm Like I'm from San Francisco, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we're supposed to be, you know, uh, a city that champions diversity and champions mm-hmm. inclusion. So that was big for me. Um, in high school, I, I just didn't. I don't, I don't know if it was the classes that I took, or you know, just luck of the draw, since yeah. the, you know, there's different sections for different classes. But I, I can count on on one hand how many how many teachers of color I had.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I was thinking about this actually yesterday. And so the only teacher of color that I can think of that looked like me was my freshman year math teacher, uh, Mr. Ayala. Um, And outside of that, there was no one. Um, And I was my friends. They all took Spanish, but I took French. And so their representation is in the Spanish classes. But to me, I feel like that should not be where the limit is like, there's like, we should have diverse teachers in all areas of our curriculum. Um, And I feel like our faculty needs to represent our student body. Um, I know they're doing better with diversity, but you know, I just, me personally, I feel like I'm not accurately represented um, in the faculty. So yeah, I totally totally agree with that um and then kind of in keeping up with this quote um do you think representation matters
2: yes <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> matters um and i think more important than representation is the type of representation mm-hmm. that you have so it's not necessarily having a certain amount of bodies in positions or in seats or certain complexions it's it's really about the people themselves right there's so many qualified um, women, women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really important that we not only champion what, you know, the identities of the people are, but also champion along with their identities. They possess all of these, these skills and these, these traits like Sonia Sotomayor isn't just a Latina Supreme court justice. She's mm-hmm. a Latina Supreme court justice who is amazing. She's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. She, spitting all those quotes um (laughs) the quote that you just said do you you get what I'm saying so it's like it's marrying the fact that they are they have this identity Mm -hmm. with all of their Mm -hmm. their smarts their qualifications Mm -hmm. and everything else that they have I just really hope that that's something that people don't don't lose it's not just like oh yep we have this this spot filled it's yes we have this spot filled and look at what they've done despite maybe the barriers that have come with their representation um, or excuse me, with their identity and Mm -hmm. and things like that. I think it's super important to to champion that as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, now we're going to move into the final portion of the interview conversation, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, And I'm just going to ask you a couple speed round questions.
2: Um, So who is your favorite teacher at SHC? favorite teacher at SHC? I'd probably say Mr. Barnes. Okay. He was my sophomore year English teacher. I just had a good time. He made, <laughs> you know, I remember doing vocabulary, weekly quizzes. He made it fun. He mm-hmm. just had a lot of, I had a lot of fun in this class. I know this is a speed round, so I won't, I won't go on too long. <laughs> um, so then what was your favorite class at SHC? Favorite class. Hmm. I might have to say seminar. Oh, I might have to say seminar just because it was so different, and I felt Mm -hmm. like I was—I felt like I was in college. I Mm -hmm. I felt different doing all those readings. I think I just enjoyed going in at night. I felt again—I was just ready (laughs) to go to school. I felt like I was in college. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was here for
2: it. Yeah. What was your
1: favorite memory
2: at SHC? Favorite memory, probably doing the the yearly uh, dance performances Mm -hmm. at the at our theater. Oh, okay. Um, do you have a favorite SHC tradition? Favorite SHC tradition. This is basic, but probably just like the Bruce. Yeah, I agree. The first Bruce, like the football Bruce Uh just kicked off the year. We had a lot of hope during my years. (laughs) We got it. We got it. I think my senior year, we won, we won the the Bruce back. There's a lot of hope. So it was great to finally win.
1: win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then lastly, what book do you recommend all SHC students read?
2: Ah, well, I would probably <laughs> recommend my own yeah. because I just wrote a book <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's called Elephant Prints: Reconstructing Our Image of Brilliance. Okay. So I would probably recommend that book. It basically goes through, you know, the history of who elephants are and what that means. Um, what modern day elephants are doing to, to raise awareness for all of the scholars and entrepreneurs of the past that are forgotten often. And also just you know the modern technology products, platforms and, and communities that people are creating today to sort of again raise awareness that these elephants mm-hmm. exist, they're out there. If you want to know what I mean by elephants, you can go check out check out the book For sure.
0: Thanks again to my very first guest, Jolie, and thank you to the listeners for checking out my podcast. I will see you in the next one.